brute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Soft Rep Radio, on time, on target. This should be a very interesting episode. I mean, this, you know, every episode I think we do is very different. And we do a lot of episodes that are spotlight interviews on people and their lives. And I think News Rep is more of an outlet for what's going on, not only in the world, but major major military issues at large. Um, And this is going to be an interesting interview, doing, doing something in that realm of exposing uh, a huge issue going on. Before we get into this and get into the interview with these great military wives, we have to talk about Pelican, of course, who has been an awesome sponsor. If you've been checking out the Instagram at SoftRep Radio, I've been posting some pictures of their excellent product, hard-sided coolers, all made in the USA. Most competitors, including Yeti, they make most of their stuff overseas has an actual lifetime warranty, wide variety of sizes and colors. If you go to pelicancoolers.com and you see all the different color schemes, you're going to be blown away. Uh, 10 different sizes, 11 different colors, easy pull hard latches that aren't rubber bands like the other guys. Pelican is a trusted brand since 1976. Their 70-quart cooler can hold ice up to nine days. They're light. Other coolers weigh 30% more on average, and they have a built-in bottle opener under the lid. Really can't go wrong with that. Ergonomic handles, they make them easier to carry. And here's what we have going on exclusively for our listeners. Uh, At pelicancoolers.com, we have a promo code that is exclusive to that website. It's SoftRep. That's the coupon code. And here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a free 22-ounce tumbler. You add that tumbler to your cart with your order. You use our promo code SOFREP, and you'll get that tumbler absolutely free. Once again, that's pelicancoolers.com. You'll get a free 22-ounce tumbler with your order when you add it to your cart. And here's where to find it. Go to the drinkware section at the top. Uh, you're going to see the tumbler there in a variety of different sizes. Choose the 22-ounce one. Use the promo code SOFREP. And with your order, you're going to get that absolutely free. You really can't beat it. And I think I think uh, Brandon took the one cooler that was left here because Brandon. No, it's right there. Oh, he okay. Brandon, I, I was like, has anybody claimed this yet? And he was breaking my balls. He's like, no, you're not getting that. I'm taking that. And it is it is pretty cool. I mean, I think we would all want that for our house. But uh, Scott Whitner really got the the best of everything. He got the big seventy quart one, I believe. And you can check that all out on the loadout room. But man, what awesome product they're putting out. Yeah, it's sweet. And we got these soft rep radio uh, mugs from Pelican. Well, those are the tumblers that people will get um, if they I don't know if they'll get the soft rep radio custom one, but that's basically what they'll get. And and they're great. I have mine at my house. Um, 
and they did a great job with those, man. Which, by the way, brings us to um, our next point here was that I was saying uh, we were going to give one away to a lucky listener who sent the best email of the week. We have a bunch of good emails this week, but I'll announce uh, who we're going to give that to. Uh, so we might as well get right into that. But but before we do, once again, I do want to let you guys know um, that you can get those tumblers for free. Add the 22-ounce one to your cart at pelicancoolers.com. And whether you're getting the 20-quart cooler, which is um, completely badass, or if you're getting the 70-quart cooler that holds ice up to nine days, you just <laughs> add that to your your uh, cart, and you'll get it for free. I mean, I wish I had that in a rack. I would have just filled it up with ice from the chow hall and laid and gone to sleep in it. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, well, I mean, out here, by the way, it is ridiculous out there, especially as you were saying yesterday. And you know what's funny? Before I get to these emails, uh, there's times on the podcast I talk about, like, the homelessness problem in New York. And it, it is hard not to be, like, kind of a jaded New Yorker at times. But in this weather, you got to keep in mind, like, you know, it sucks to be homeless any time of the year. But, like, 50, 60... Uh, if you're 60, out on the streets, you're going to freeze to death. Yeah, 50, 60, 70 degrees, like, you'll live. These people could literally die. So it's like if you could help someone out... And you're whether in New York, New Jersey, tri-state, or anywhere be, being hit by the snow or by the cold front, uh, you know, help someone out if you can because it's it's pretty fucking brutal out there. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many beds in the shelters, um, but hopefully, most of those guys who are normally out on the street are able to find some place at least to sleep at night. Yeah, so if you could help. Um, I, you know, we're nor- normally not the podcast who talks about it because, you know, we're admittedly some like jaded New Yorkers, but, <laughs> but you come out here and it is, you know, it's freezing. And, you know, if you could help these people out, now is a great time to do it. People talk about it during Christmas and all that. But to be honest, Christmas uh, here in New York, it wasn't anywhere near the temperatures of right no, now. It's after Christmas. It's like January, February into March where it's really bad. Yeah. So there's people out here probably need boots. They need socks, just like the pretty basic stuff that we all take advantage of. Um, all right. Getting into emails here. I'll get into this first email and then I'll announce the email of the week. So this is, and I'm just going to turn my volume up here. This is not the um, email of the week, but it was a very good email. So I'll read this one from Mike, who is a uh, major sergeant, retired. Hey, guys, I'm answering Ian's call for Camo this week. I've been listening to you guys for two years now on my daily one-hour commutes to work and love the show. This is definitely the best military podcast on the air. I'm listening. I feel I've gotten to know you, Ian, and Jack, in a sense, and I really enjoy your updates on current events and your perspectives on the issues at hand. However, there is one area where I feel that you guys may be lacking. That is in the area of spirituality and its power to heal vets, or anyone for that matter. I have not heard much discussed on the show regarding this most powerful tool, especially from that one legendary, uh, except from that one legendary Vietnam SF dude whose name escapes me now, who practices shamanism and meditation. That would be Jim Morris. Jim Morris, who, by the way, he, he ri- he's written several books about shamanism. Yes. And we're going to have the author of that book in front of you on Vietnam, which I believe Jim Morris is cited in. Vietnam Bao Chi. Yeah. So that's about the men on the ground reporting from Vietnam. That's cool. And who are embedded. And Jim Morris, if I remember correctly, is one of the men uh, cited in that book. So that's going to be in just a couple of weeks. Anyway, back to the email. Um, 
Yeah. As a 26-year veteran of both the Marine Corps and the Air Force, wow, 26-year veteran, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, And as a practicing Jew, I have seen firsthand what belief in higher power can do to help a person struggling with addiction, despair, depression, PTSD, hopelessness, and suicidal ideations. Uh, Just going to Sunday morning worship service or talking to a chaplain has helped many military... uh, military member cope like the positive values attained from serving in the u.s military so too there is much good that can be gained from a belief in a higher power and in an adherence to a set code of positive religious conduct most of all just like being in the military having a set faith can transform a person for the better through education guidance and a positive set of and a positive sense of purpose in life I believe these principles are most valuable for helping struggling warriors and veterans cope with their challenges in life and would be a most valuable topic of conversation to present to present on your show. Uh, Semper Fidelis, uh, Major Sergeant Mike, uh, I'm probably going to butcher your name. Ma- Master Sergeant. Master Sergeant, sorry. Mike Ekstut, uh retired. But anyway, that's that's a highly decorated career. I mean, 26 years. Yeah. Uh, here's, uh, I guess my response would be, I mean, I'm someone who believes in a higher power. I, uh, you know, I do have my own spiritual views and uh, I'm someone who's, it's kind of interesting because half my family is Catholic, half my family is Jewish. I was raised Jewish. Um, I've learned a lot from Christian friends of mine, like evangelical Christians. I've learned a lot from Buddhist friends of mine. I think like my spiritual views are a little bit of a variety of, uh, different, different views. I don't, um, adhere to like one set of beliefs. But uh, I, I think the reason we don't get into it that much is it's just like it's not the platform. I, I don't think any of us want to come off as preachy, but we're uh, we're not opposed to having people who are like completely secular or people who are religious on the podcast. Actually looking up our last guest, Peter Gidry's background, he's apparently like extremely religious. But oh, really? Yeah, but it's just not, or I don't think he would use the term religious. I think a lot of people don't like that term, but but spiritual and, you know, believer in Jesus, uh and, you know, that I, I just don't I, I think our platform is for people who are um, of any religious background, but uh, we're open to having people on. I just don't want to ever have yeah. the show come off as preachy or anything like that. That's just my view. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just that, you know, someone like Jim Morris or someone like maybe Todd Apolsky could speak to something like that quite better than I could. Sure. Um, you know, I'm not a religious man by any means. Um, you know, I have, you know, philosophical beliefs and I I certainly don't believe in in nihilism or, or that we should be amoral. I'm far from it. Um, and, and I think it's important to have those kind of bedrock beliefs and have those, that moral compass. Um, so, you know, you know where your lines are, you know, and there's those those things you just aren't going to do and those lines you just aren't going to cross. Um, but Which for you is doing gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. Well, well, Hey man, try anything once. I mean, why not? But, uh, uh, no, really. I mean, I, I don't, uh, deride, um, the importance of spirituality or, um, the role that religion plays for many soldiers and veterans. Uh, I just don't feel like I, I'm really qualified to speak to that myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. If someone, you know, that is qualified and wants to get into that type of thing, we're really I mean, open. maybe we could we're have maybe we could have an episode where we have like a chaplain on from like the Ranger Regiment or uh, or, or some other unit um, who can talk about 
um, the, the role the chaplain plays in the military and for his unit and, and get into some of these subjects. I mean, that's something we've never done before that, you know, some people would be interested in, I think. Yeah. And I also think as long as, um, you're not excluding the audience or, you know, basically watering down the podcast in a way, there's that funny story. I mean, it's been years, so I think I could talk about it. We probably have at some point where, uh, Brandon was on Will Cow's show and he talked about, was it Petraeus who cheated on his wife? Yeah. And Brandon was on, and you know, and just the same way we fuck around on this podcast, he said to Andrew, he was like, well, at least she was hot. And uh, Jerry Boykin's wife called into the hotline <laughs> and I answered. And she was like, you know, that was really inappropriate of Brandon to say about such a serious issue. And I know like General Boykin is very religious and it's just like, that's, uh, that's not us. We're not the type of people who are going to, you know, be like, oh, pray for General Petraeus. It's just it's not in the nature of me, you or Brandon or it's. Well, I mean, I I hope that General Petraeus and his wife, Holly, patch things up. Of course, of course. Move past that. But we're not going to not joke about the fact that like the woman was. It's when it splashes across, you know, major media headlines and it's an unavoidable issue. There there are some things about that. Yeah, you couldn't help but laugh at. And maybe that's in bad taste. Uh, I mean, I get it. But still, it's like. But that's also who you know, we are as a podcast. Uh, we're, we're completely on PC and unfiltered. And, and you pa- know. Paula Broadwell, I, interestingly, I read this article. I think it was in the New York Times. Now, now she's like a crusader that goes around and say, about talking about gender bias and how we're not supposed to use the word mistress. She didn't like that the press described her as Petraeus's mistress. So we're not. That's another one of those words we're not allowed to say anymore. Yeah, we, along with many things, with so. with a million other that none of us can keep track of. Yeah, mistress. Don't ever say that again. Um, all right, so this is the best email of the week. I'm going to email you back, Scott, and you're going to get some awesome stuff from us because I, I thought this was really informative um, before we get to our that, guests here. That whole story, Ian, also reminds me of uh, a mutual friend we have uh, or, or had. We, we, well, let's just say we both knew this woman, and I started getting emails um, to my, like my work email address all these women complaining that she was sleeping with all the SF wives oh, I know who you're talking about. down yeah, at yeah. Fort Bragg. And I was like... Bro, don't look at me. I didn't sleep with her. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you sending me mail? Like I met this woman once. I, yeah. You're breaking my balls about it. Yeah, I think it was. And it was all probably because we mentioned on the podcast that she hooked us up with a guest. Oh, and, really? Yeah, maybe if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Who cares? There are these like well, there are these uh, you know wives um, coming and complaining to me about it, and I was like, I I don't really know her. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't sleep with her. No, like, don't. <laughs> Yeah, not uh, the glove does not fit. <laughs> you, you must acquit. Um, all right, so this is from Scott, uh, and and I really like this because it's good to learn more about a subject after we touched on it. For the, those who didn't listen um, last episode, this is in regards to that. Uh, I'm a longtime kratom user, and at one time was in the kratom business. I'm pro kratom and still use kratom daily. I wouldn't say I'm a SME subject matter expert on kratom. But I know a decent amount about it and its actions in the body, harvest, and goods, as well as bads. My big concern is the lack of information being put out about Kratom to the people considering or learning about Kratom. Jack inquired several times for more data with the guest but got limited return. And that, and that most using or promoting Kratom know the end result of use but not the mechanisms of Kratom's actions in the body and those effects. Kratom's alkaloids bind to the opioid receptors similar to opioids, so long-term or excessive use of Kratom is addictive just like any opioid. Kratom types and strengths of alkaloids vary by strain, 
harvest processing, and geographical location of harvest. Kratom can also be deadly when mixed with other natural extracts, such as uh, Fenibut and or Kava Kava, very similar to the combo of Percocet and Soma Mix. Many users get scripted, which causes respiratory distress. Just a few things with Kratom, in my humble opinion, that users, users or potential users may want to know before they dip into the Kratom world. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Scott. And I thought that was extremely balanced and informative, so... Yeah, um, definitely. I, sometimes, you know, again, back to like the marijuana and was that that BDS oil? What the fuck is it? Oh, uh, it's, it's funny now. I'm, there's MCT oil and there's... Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's uh, it, these things get hailed as like a, a miracle cure for everything. And I'm, of course, there are, you know, downsides to it that people should probably be aware of. Is MCT oil the one I'm thinking of? There's, there's I don't know. There's that one that's derived from marijuana, and it, it's uh, CBD oil. CBD, CBD oil. oil. Yeah. My understanding is that CBD oil is snake oil, essentially. Well, on the last episode, Peter did mention CBD oil, and I mean, there's some people who seem to swear by it, you know. And I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, if it helps people, and or even even if it's placebo and they think it helps, you know. But I, I don't know any more than, than yeah. you. But I thought it was good to see this because, you know. As he mentioned, these combinations of what you shouldn't take together, I, I do agree. People should be informed before they dip their toes into yeah, anything, for sure. any drug or even even uh, any supplement. I've I've taken uh, you know supplements for working out and that type of thing before, and realized I was taking too high of a dosage. And you know, just be educated before you try anything. All right. So joining us on the podcast are two of the women cited in the Reuters piece as U.S. soldiers battle landlord confidential records shine light on his lucrative business. If you haven't read the article, it gives a great background on what's yeah. going on and how basically these military families are being exploited for a guy making tremendous profit. It's yeah, it's pretty outrageous. But uh, Lee and Crystal will elaborate on all of that, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. I have a little bit on both your backgrounds, but just so the audience uh, becomes acclimated with like who's who and whose voice is who, I know it could get a little bit confusing. Um, so I guess we want to start with Crystal. Do you want to just give the audience um, a few words about who you are and then uh, we'll hand it over to Lee? Sure. Uh, my name is Crystal Cornwall, and I'm actually a Marine Corps spouse. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in public administration. I'm working on a master's degree right now. Um, I actually do have a full-time job, and I do um, this lobbying and advocacy for military families um, on the side um, as another full-time project. And I am a mom, and I have three beautiful children, so... Oh, thank you, Crystal. And uh, yeah. Lee? So my name is Lee Tuttle, and I grew up outside of Philadelphia. I received my bachelor's from Virginia Commonwealth University, married my husband, who is part of the soft community, and we've lived all over the place. We have two young children, and um, I got definitely invested in this while living at Fort Polk when my family became adversely effective. Um, by the house that we were living in on base. And let's get into that then a little bit as far as what we're talking about here today and um, how the two of you have become, I, I guess you could say activists in a sense, um, mm -hmm. that you're trying to bring uh, this specific issue to people's attention that mm -hmm. are the 
military housing on military installations, a lot of it is actually privatized, which is the first thing I don't think people understand. And second, that there are these major um, health issues with the dilapidated state of some of these homes. Um, so maybe we could start off by having each of you speak to, you know, your personal experiences and in moving into some of these homes. Yeah, so I am our first and only experience living on base was at Fort Polk. We um, had come from three years in Okinawa, Japan, living off base. Um, everyone was healthy and happy. Um, my son Weston was two at the time and a thriving child would be able to go outside and play for hours, run around within, I would say two weeks of moving into that house on Fort Polk. He was developing respiratory issues. Um, and it was just very unlike him. So throughout our time there, um, it was just getting progressively worse. My husband was getting sick, uh, and no one was able to give us answers. My husband was actually put on an inhaler Wow! during our time there. Yeah. Um, and we, I decided to just kind of get into it on my own after dealing with housing who were providing very limited answers to me. So I went in there, ripped up my carpet, found black mold growing on the floor. Um, I went up in the air ducts with my husband and shined some flashlights and saw just, wow. you know, visible mold spores. And unfortunately, the worst was over my, you know, two-year-old's bed. Since this is a pervasive issue, this wasn't, you know, specifically toward to me. I mean, this, I mean, my neighbors were dealing with this um, across the U.S. Everyone, I mean, I would say, what is it, ten percent? One in, I would say seven houses is dealing with some pervasive mold issues. Do you know why? Um, why, why does my uh, black mold I've heard in the past is especially, you know, toxic and, and harmful for people. But, uh, do you know why it grows in so many of these on post housing units? Well, I, I think one of the issues, I mean, I, I mean, we can, I can speculate that these are cheap renovations. I was told that I was moving into a new home on Fort Polk. Mm-hmm. And when I ripped this carpet up, I saw what looked like remnants of plumbing that had just kind of been sealed over. Oh. Um, and through the Reuters inv- investigation, they in fact found that my home was built in 1980 and had just been remodeled. So they put a fresh uh, coat of paint on there and built over the mm-hmm. facade and called it good. Correct. And, and you I'd think like that living in something. Go ahead. Please, Crystal. Oh, well, the, the one thing that I wanted to add to uh, what Lee was saying was that one of the reasons I also believe that there is a pervasive mold issue, um, it, it amounts to a couple of different things. Um, I believe that there's probably some structural issues. There's definitely ventilation issues that we've seen pervasive um, that has completely surpassed location and branch in um, like environmental areas. Um, and the other issue, too, is the poor maintenance and the lack of qualified maintenance on the home. So if you have a water intrusion problem, say a pipe bust behind the walls, um, they're not rem- remedying it the way that they should with, with current in- industry standards for how that sort of thing should be remedied. Mold can grow within 24 hours. It only takes 24 hours of moisture intrusion for that to happen. And there's also moisture intrusion because air conditioning uh, vents have not been lined properly with insulation. So it's gr- the condensation in the vents is, is causing mold within your air duct system. You know, it's, 
it's a lot of different things, to be totally honest with you, from a lot of different angles. Right. Like, for example, the one of the um, contractors who came out to clean my air ducts, um, I was able to look him up, and he was a, a headstone maker and fence installer. So it's just a local handyman uh, rather than a specialist. Correct. Yeah. Not even a handyman. I mean, if he makes headstones, he's probably not permitted to be remitting for water intrusion like a, a licensed plumber right. would do, you know, or a licensed electrician would manage, you know, the electrical side. And the reason why I got into this was really over something very trivial, but to me it was big because I own rental property as well. Um, we were tra- we had move-out charges at Camp Pendleton. Um, it was our third duty station, and it was something I fought with Lincoln Military Housing for an entire year. And one of the problems that I noticed was that there was no redress. So in California, um, you know, if if your landlord, if Lincoln Military Housing sends you to collections, you can't file in state court to dispute those collection charges. You literally pay it or it goes on your credit report. And then it goes against, obviously, your spouse's clearance or your clearance if you're a government employee. Um, So there is no redress within the local um, state systems. And so I was just like, oh, my God, if this is happening in California, what's happening in other places? I mean, my whole family is military. My brother just got out on 90 percent disability out of the Army at 34 years old. So, you know, this this really circles around and it's dear to my heart because military families, you know, we are a military family. And as I started getting into this, I said, you know, I, I started reaching out to Fort Polk. I started reaching out to Benning. I started reaching out to Camp Lejeune and, and just all these bases. And then I found this um, web page. I found this um, Facebook page. It was called Lead Mold Asbestos at the time. And it was ran by um, Darlena Brown, who was in the first Reuters story about the lead poisoning. So Darlena and I kind of hooked up. And then... Um, and all that networking, the Reuters story came out, and then I started sending information to Reuters, and that's how I met Lee, and all of these other folks have really wanted to try to help us. Um, and so far, based on the Facebook stats on that page, we've grown that page to almost 2,000 members wow. in just a few months, mm-hmm. and we have reached over 100 bases, both in the country and outside of the country, for pervasive housing problems. Um, before we get into some of the larger big picture issues that I definitely want to talk sure. about, I was wondering if um, you could speak a little bit more about how the maintenance issues on these on-post housing units deviate from what are normal industry standards. Um, how is it different than, you know, if you lived, in, you know, actually off base somewhere? Lee, do you want to talk about that or do you want me to? So for what I know about, you know, mold, um, everything needs to be sealed off in the house. Um, Family members, including pets, need to be away from the premise because these spores become airborne again. And, um, you know, people can develop some severe respiratory issues and also infections due to the mold spores being throughout the house. Um, when ours was treated, there was some tarps put down on my kitchen table and on the bed. I was never told to leave the house. Um, my kids and I were in our house while this was going on. So if, you know, this was in say a rental property off base, absolutely. 
there would be recourse for me, but there was nothing that I could do in the situation other than ask and ask and ask. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah, there's no, property. there's no legal recourse um, in the conventional sense that you can't, as, as right. I think Crystal was pointing out, you can't just go mm-hmm. to a state court or a uh, district court or a town court, right. civil court. Right. No, and quite frankly, I was calling around all over the place while living there. I was calling home inspectors and no one mm-hmm. wanted to help me out because of just the huge corporation that that, it, that is. They were, quite yeah. frankly, it seemed almost scared to come on base. And so one guy mm-hmm. said, well, I can come on like uh, after uh, the sun sets and take a look for you if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not dealing with that. Like, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I have a property in Havelock, North Carolina, which is right at Cherry Point. So we actually have military tenants in our home. And our home was damaged because of the recent hurricane that just came through. And it took us, you know, a couple of months to get the roof fixed. So we had water damage. Um, but if there was mold damage inside the home, I would be legally liable within a reasonable amount of time in a devastated area to make sure that my tenants had a safe home. I am required by law, by habitability laws in North Carolina, to ensure that damage is repaired promptly, as promptly as possible, um, and that the family is not exposed to, you know, any kind of harm like mold. Now, if you were living at, say, Camp Lejeune, which um, they have a really big mold problem there, well, they had a mold problem before the storm, but now it's even worse. I actually stood under the ceiling of one of the Marine Corps families as it was essentially about to cave in over my head at Thanksgiving this year. Wow. And... That family has no recourse. They've gone to JAG. They've gone to their housing provider. They gone. They went to the other housing provider because there's actually two on Camp Lejeune, and they told her that they couldn't give her a home. There was no home. Um, they went to their command. The command said, "Look, you know, there's not a lot we can do. There's there's no control within the command element or power for even you know colonels to say, hey, look, you need to fix this.' No accountability." There's no accountability, and, and it's not to the detriment of the military. Like, it's not necessarily their fault. These commanders at these levels, they didn't write these contracts. Right. They're, they're just trying to run a command just like everybody else is. They're, they're trying to fight a 17-year-long war just like everybody else in the military, and they just don't have the time or the resources or the power to address some of these small – or well, it's not really a small housing problem, but like the families whose, whose roof was caving in, they had three small children in our home, and I could hear their coughing. I could see the mold growing out of the ceiling. I mean, when you're standing under that, I'd, I've never really been exposed to mold, but I left there after an hour in her house with, with like struggling to breathe. And, I'm not even kidding. I mean, the, the black mold issue is so serious. I mean, I was working on this TV show a year ago, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this, um, it was actually a, a Nikola Tesla's laboratory, and we were all excited to, like, go inside it and finally see it. And they're like, whoa, 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 stop right there. There's black mold in that place, and you can't go in there unless you're wearing, like, in the military, we'd call mop, mop level four, like the full plastic right. bodysuit and the gas yep. mask. And, all. like, that's how serious a black mold is. Uh, I mean. Ab- absolutely. I mean, stachybotrys is, is not a joke, and we so we've had some testing done um, in some of the houses across the nation, and we have found elements um, of stachybotrys, um, penicillin aspergillus, aspergillus. These are all different uh, types of other, funguses, right? Correct. Yeah, there's different types okay. of mold, right? And stachy is, is the, stachy is actually what is considered true black mold. Penicillin aspergillus 
is another kind of mold and is also a toxic mold, um, which causes um, breathing issues and asthma-related symptoms. And um, right, so that's what I had in my house. That's what I had. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, like eight times what the EPA would deem, you know, a safe environment. (sighs) Do do we know how many homes this one guy owns? Well, let's get let's get it, well, let's yeah, get into let's that get into because that. the the next thing I want to bring up, and I, I've actually brought up uh, an aspect of this, I think, on the podcast before with aphes, is that it's interesting that there's just this assumption we all make that aphes is some sort of military institution, and it's not. It, it is privately owned. It's a it's a private corporation for profit. Uh, okay. Um, there's an assumption that I would have made up until I read this Reuters article that on post housing is owned by the U S military. And that is definitely not the, in in most cases, that's not the case. I mean, maybe in some, um, so I definitely was hoping that you two could elaborate on this, uh, gentleman, John Pacern and his involvement (laughs) with on post housing. You know, I just want to preface that with, I don't have a problem with, people being rich. Yeah. You know what? If you want to live in an Irish mansion, Have that's at it. cool. You do you. <laughs> I mean, capitalism 101, right? But the problem that I have with this, and, and it's not just concern, but it's with any anyone who is capitalizing off the backs of military families and really to their detriment to health and safety and economic stability. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not cool with that. If you're going to live in a mansion with um, a $30,000 taxidermied alligator snake and sort of thing, and then I'm standing, you know, I'm going to need um, and I'm looking at lead peeling off, you know, or um, mold coming from a ceiling or ceilings caving in, I'm sorry, but that's not okay. That is, that is not what capitalism is about. So, you know... The problem that I have with him is that what, what we've noticed that it, I, I'm not totally sure that, I guess in my opinion, I don't really think they care. He even said it was recession-proof in some of his um, interviews. You know, this is a recession-proof industry. It's a guaranteed contract. It's a guaranteed revenue stream. And we're really held hostage. And you might say, hey, you know what? Just move out. Just move out. What's your problem? Just move out. Well, if you're an E3 right. and you have two small children, you know, finding the first and last month deposit or even first in deposit to move out can be really expensive. And once you're, once all your items have been exposed to mold, you're talking thousands of dollars to replace all of your stuff because you can't take it with you. Not to and, mention and that not, Corbius will but, charge you to break your lease yes, early, they charge even you if there are... Lease you know, pervasive mm-hmm. health concerns in your home. And you're penalized for doing that, or you have these exorbitant move-out charges. So they just kind of pile it on, pile it on, pile it on, and it's really not feasible for a lot of these families. You know, living on base is an economic need. It's not a privilege. It's not a right. It is an economic need to make sure our forces are ready to fight. Right. And as you mentioned, I mean, a young soldier a lot of times doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of money in the bank, um, doesn't have a lot right. of credit. Maybe he has or she has bad credit. Uh, and, yeah. you know, the military has offered housing to our troops. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I just wanted to elaborate on that a little bit. 
Right. And sorry, I'm looking at the um, numbers here for Mr. Percern and Corvius has acquired <laughs> control of 26,000 houses and apartments across 13 military wow. bases. Jeez. And mm-hmm. this contract that he was given is for 50 years. Five zero. Yes. Yep. 50. So do you, do you think mm-hmm. some of these families are unaware of what you guys are aware of, of the black mold in their homes and it's, you know, too late now? Yes. Yeah. I think that sometimes, well, there's there's a, a mix of things. First of all, they may not realize that there's an issue or, you know, maybe they don't realize that um, black mold is as scary as it really is. Or maybe the mice infestations, they're, you know, they're expecting these private contractors to make sure that, you know, they're habitable. And so when the private contractor comes in and says, oh, well, we close that up, you're okay. Um, they don't realize that there really is a problem. And not only that, even if they do, where do they go? They've gone to JAG. JAG said, hey, we're in a conflict of interest position. We can't help. You go to the command. Sometimes the commands are retaliating. Hopefully not. Some of them are. Um, you how how the do they retaliate against the soldier who, who makes a complaint? So sometimes the PPVs will call the commands and tell the commands one story that isn't necessarily happening. And the soldier, marine, or sailor will get in trouble. And I have actual fit rep documentation of um, a sailor and some Marines getting in trouble with their commands because the PPV called their command. And that goes on their fit rep. Yes. That is outrageous. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so yep. I, for listeners who understand a, a fit rep is like what we would call uh, in the Navy. Uh, that's what in the army we would call like an NCOER. It, it's an evaluation yeah. report, like your yearly evaluation report. And that's, ba- that's mm-hmm. what your promotions are based on. Essentially. It's saying, did you do a right. good job or do you do a bad job? And, and f- so yep. what's happening here is that soldiers or sailors or, or Marines in this case are making a complaint about what a corporation is doing on post. And that complaint mm-hmm. is then being put on their official military paperwork that impacts their career. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. And not to mention the culture of, of fear of retaliation. We, we did um, some of these forums over the weekend over here in Northern Virginia, where I live, and we had families that came in that worked with high-level officials, and they were like, well, we don't want our husbands to tell you know the high-level officials what's going on because we're, we're afraid of retaliation or we're afraid it's going to hurt their career. Can, can you, That's scary. Could uh, Lee, why don't I toss this over to you? Could you talk sure. a little bit more about John Passern and who this guy is? Because I read in the Reuters article, in order to acquire this 50-year contract, he flew to Fort Bragg with his congressman on his right. private jet. Yes, yeah. So that, I mean, that to me was when I felt like, wow, there's just so many levels to this that, you know, mm-hmm. how am I as one army spouse you know, to, supposed to be able to handle this and take this on. Um, it's just really, really disheartening to see the amount of money that this man has put up to for um, donations and specifically to people who are on the armed services committee to get these, this contract, essentially. Um, it's just, it, it's really disheartening to see that our um, homes on these bases are kind of pay for play almost. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to look at it and see this as like some sort of like sharecropper arrangement mm-hmm. where, you know, the. It, I mean, as you said, it, it's it's a re- recession-proof contract, but I mean, it's also right. like, 
you're strong arming these soldiers. They have nowhere else to go. They have to pay you. So there right. is, is it their BAH that is going into what's it? The Corvius group. Right. So this is another aspect that I think really needs to be changed is that when you live on post, your entire BAH is deducted from your paycheck, your basic um, you even, housing. Allowance. You, you don't even see it. Yeah. So essentially when I was going through all these issues, on Fort Polk, I couldn't, you know, say, well, I'm, you know, not going to pay a quarter of my rent until this issue is fixed because it's literally, like, it's literally taken right out of my husband's paycheck. He doesn't even see it. Right. It goes from the U S treasury department into the Corvaeus mm-hmm. group. Correct. Correct. So I, th- I think in the Reuters article, they, they mentioned how, um, to CERN didn't have to front any money because they knew that, he was going to be getting all of these, you know, housing stipends from the soldiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Corbis is shielded from a risk um, in another way. He's not obligated to repay nearly 1.9 billion in bank loans. It's military housing projects have received the loans like salaries of most Corbis workers on bases are paid off from the housing rental stipend soldiers and airmen receive from the federal government. Mm -hmm. So it's all margin for him. Correct. Yep. So when you see, you know, the side-by-side pictures that I thought were very powerful in this article, it's hard. Like I had definitely a visceral response in my body thinking of my child who can barely get through a karate class. Right. And without using it as inhaler and this man flying out some, you know, Insta famous, I don't know, what is interior designer who designs for the Kardashians and his hashtag on you know, John Pistern's one of his many tables is hashtag my table's bigger than you. It's Mar- than Martin, yeah. Martin oh, Lawrence okay. Bulliard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's infuriating and it's really kind of a scene. Yeah. Yeah. That, it looks know, like something from the Roman empire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, and really it's kind of garbage, too, because we're having a hard time figuring out in the contracts where the oversight for health and safety was supposed to happen from the Army side, um, or really not just from the Army side, but from the DOD side. You know, who was, who's responsible for the oversight and enforcement and closing the gaps for health and safety issues? Correct. And it, it doesn't look like anybody put anything in there for it. Just checks and balances for financial um, viability of the project. You're saying that the maintenance issues weren't adequately addressed in the contract? I'm not sure there were health and safety balance checks and balances in the contract. Wow. And unfortunately, it, a lot it, of the contracts are redacted. So Really? Yeah, heavily redacted. Yeah, heavily, heavily redacted. Under what, what's the justification for redacting a, a housing it's contract? proprietary. It's proprietary, and it, um, it can be a conflict. Uh, within the market, if another, um, you know, like Lincoln Military Housing got a hold of it, they could be a competitor. This is this is like one of those confluences between industry and mm-hmm. government. Like you can't buy that kind of loyalty; it has to come from love. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's really incredible. It's incredible. And you, Lee, you were even saying that your husband was on an inhaler at one point. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And this is my a gr- this is a grown man in in good physical shape. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, it was just, it was pitiful. He, my neighbors would be like, Oh, like, there he is, the black lung over there. You know, he'd go up to, um, what is it called? Like med, med check in the morning, yeah. right? And he was on like heavy, heavy, serious, like cough suppressant. I mean, he couldn't even make it through a briefing without, wow. you know, just, you know, having these awful coughs. Imagine what and, that does to a five-year-old kid. Oh, yeah, right. I know, I know. So we were um, actually, well, we were in Polk, my husband, um, they do a lot of like rotations out in town throughout uh, Louisiana. So I would, when he was there, I would pack up the kids and we would go there and stay in that hotel because everyone was a lot healthier when we were away from that house. It was safer in the hotel. Yep. What, what do you make? I mean, kind of getting into a little bit of where things are now. I mean, well, first off, what do you make of, uh, Pacern's lawyer responding to the Reuters article that this is all just like drama and, you know, you guys are just busybody army wives, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not busybody. I have a full-time job that has <laughs> nothing to do with the military, first of all, um, that pays, you know, for my bills because um, the Marine Corps certainly doesn't. Um, but the other side is that... <laughs> They have said things like we're bloggers and, and things like that. I just want you to know I am not a blogger. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with a blogger. There's like amazing military stuff bloggers that are gangs. I mean, they're awesome. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I spend my time lobbying on the Hill outside of my job because I really believe in this issue. And I really believe and have seen that it's a pervasive problem. I have flown all over this country looking at houses on my own dollar. Because I know for a fact that there is a problem. So, you know what his lawyer can do with that little comment? You know what he can do with it. Well, I, you know, he said that um, Reuters is using more tabloid style, yeah. um, you know, shock and uh-huh. Reuters. Really? I think yeah, they're Thomas I mean, Reuters, in one of the known least for- biased. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we welcome the opportunity to focus on the real issues, like how our nation can provide okay. like better support for our, those who exactly. serve in uniform. So great. Let's do it. Let's have this conversation with them. And you, since you two are kind of in the belly of the beast as far as dealing with this mm-hmm. issue, I mean, have you seen any improvement? I mean, I think in the article, yeah. I mean, they, they pledged themselves to saying, you know, we're going to do better. We're going to do better. Yeah, right. That's what uh, Lincoln Military Housing said, too, when they got sued in Norfolk in uh, what, 2011 or whatever it was because of the mold problems there. They said the same thing, and it's the same pervasive issue. Same thing with Clark, or same thing with Balfour Beatty, all of them. I'm calling them all out because I've seen those houses, and I've talked to those families, and I've heard their children, and it is despicable what they are doing to military families. It is garbage. And this dude has a 50 year fit five zero 50 year contract. So I mean, what's it, I mean, he knows that contract's not going to get canceled without Mm -hmm. some significant, significant legal action taking place. So, I mean, he doesn't have any incentive to really give a shit. He doesn't. I don't think he does. I mean, I've never heard of him going to visit these bases. Have you crystal? Not that Other I'm than aware when he of, went down to try to lobby Reed. for his right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did, didn't didn't they put out a response where they were talking about the carpet at Fort Polk House? It had uh, biohazard on it. They would just pull it out, sanitize it, clean it, stretch it, and put it back <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, they said that was did, their did policy. Did you guys see that article? That, that, uh huh. 
<laughs> I don't think I yeah, saw that. So, yeah, there's another article response. Um, I think they put through the it local was local, newspaper. It was local news there, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 They said if there's biohazard on the carpet, and you know, biohazard could be anything biological, so what they do is they pull it out, they sanitize it, quote-unquote, and then they just put it back in. Would you want your child, your new baby, crawling on that? That's where they're learning to walk on biohazard carpet that they likely charged the last person to, to replace and probably didn't. It's insane. Jack, did you ever live on base? Uh, yes, I did at Fort Benning. Okay. Okay. How was that? It was, um, it, it was geez, he- heading out to, I'm trying to think of the gate. It's one of the back gates. But it w- I was kind of the last person living there. Actually, it was kind of a ghost mm-hmm. town. Um, I was a single soldier uh, and had a roommate. And it, it was they, they were condemning and knocking down all those houses. And, and probably they threw up mm-hmm. Corvius homes after I left. Um, right, but right. yeah, it, it was, it was infested with cockroaches the size of my hand. Damn. Um, God. but you know, uh, I was 22, you know, single guy. So, yeah. you know, you, you deal with these things. Um, sure. yeah, but it, that should never be the norm. No, 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 it shouldn't. No, it's not if I had kids, I'd be freaking no. out about it. And they're it. privatizing barracks. Privatizing the barracks. Yes. There is a pilot where they have started privatizing barracks. So the barracks will be falling under our purview as well once they start that privatization process. And wow. actually, they already fall under our, our, my purview because I, you know, we don't want to forget about our single men and women who are living yeah. in barracks that are garbage too. It just comes out of different pots of money for now. But there is a pilot to privatize the barracks. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not like some kind of, you know, Leninist or something here, but I mean, I, I think that the military should be the military. I don't think yeah. it should be run by corporations. I, I think just about right. everybody would agree with you on that. I, I hope so. I, yes. The military has never been, you know, like a privatized entity. So, no. And yeah. you know, it's, when they're, you're fighting a 17 year long war, okay? I mean, they don't have time to manage housing. So I get it. I, I get what a commander, but, but they do have these government housing offices on base. Uh, the Army calls it RCI. Uh, the Marine Corps calls it GHO. The Air Force calls it something different, but they're government housing offices and they're paid for by the branch of service. Now, if they could fund those, give them more funding, give them more staff, address the contract gaps so that we can give these folks more power to enforce health and safety mm-hmm. and economic um, ha- you know, standards and take, you know, managing, managing the stuff out of the command's hands, except for, you know, exceptions. You know what? That's what they're there for. That is their job on the base. You have a government housing office. Yeah. You know, fund those guys. Give them some money. Give them some power. Give, give them an, a bit, like, be, let them be the advocate for families. Now, now our, but there's our, like two our, people in those offices for like 7,500 homes. Are both of you still living in this home? Lee, Lee oh, is no. still in a. Oh no, you're living off post now, right? Yeah, yeah. I am off post. Um, that house was two posts ago, um, but my son mm-hmm. is still dealing with the issues. In fact, we have to go get another uh, skin prick test for him in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that for a five year old is traumatic. And he, that's. You know, one of my issues is that everywhere we go, we kind of start mm-hmm. from square one again, you know, because mm-hmm. this new specialist will want to run his own tests, and mm-hmm. which I completely understand. But watching my five-year-old sit there through this, it's mm-hmm. like really pitiful. 
I wonder if his son would let his daughter sleep in a room with uh, mold growing on the ceiling. I don't think so. I doubt it. I well, one thing I found would. very interesting, my husband and I last night um, watched his interview that he did with a local news station right around the time he acquired this contract. And he said um, he sees this as a vocation. I thought that was just very interesting. This is his vocation now. So he gets to use this, oh, I'm taking care of these military families. I'm doing you know, mm-hmm. such great work. But the reality is, is that he saw this as a lucrative business, and he has this 50-year contract that is basically group. ironclad, and mm-hmm. his families in these homes are... I hate to use the word, but like some of them are really suffering. Yeah, it's behaving like a slumlord, basically. Um, he is a slumlord. Slumlord, get rich. What? I mean, just yesterday, someone was posting. They was in a they were in a Corbius house, and there was raw sewage backing up onto their property. What are some of the things? Like, if you if you two were to go point by point, what are some of the things you mm-hmm. would like to see happen to fix the situation with on post housing? Uh, First, I'd like to to let the service members or their spouses um, stop the allotment for housing and put that in escrow. And it needs Mm -hmm. to go through a local judge. I don't want commands to have control over uh, whether they think it's justified or not. I think there needs to be an independent agency, um, whether it's JAG or whoever, um, to let the families stop their allotments for housing until – and put it in escrow. Just put it over in escrow. They won't be able to touch it. Um, until the housing problems are fixed. I think once you stop the revenue stream, you start getting their attention. Oh, yeah. And I think it would oh, be yeah. a big stop because there's a lot of, there's 700,000 homes across the, the military that are houses. You know, and I suspect very conservatively that at least 10 or 20% of them have problems. That's at least 140,000 homes um, at the 20% ratio. You know what? Stop the funding, let them stop their BAH. Yeah, you'll see things change right quick if that happened. Absolutely. So That's is, right. is there what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I think that I mean that is would be the best case scenario, I think, in this situation. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be because there needs to be some way to hold um these companies accountable for the living conditions. Um and I think that if one of my issues was right after I left, another family moved into my house. The problem was never fixed. Right. Like expanding SACRA, you know, at the SCRA, expanding SACRA to address um, privatized housing and the, and the ethical, biz, the unethical business practices that they have from what, what's economic issues. SACRA? Yeah. Um, the Soldiers and Sailors Relief Act. Ah, right. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Service, what is it called? I always call it SACRA. Ah. Isn't it about, isn't it grant uh, debt forgiveness to people who join the military? No, SACRA is, there's a lot of things that are in SACRA. You have things about your, your, some of your tenant rights, Mm -hmm. breaking a lease. Um, There's, there's tons of stuff in SACRA. Um, And I think that if we expanded that on a state and federal level where these installations are, then it might benefit the families as well and give them more options in a state court. What about the, the maintenance issue? Like if a, if a family in one of these houses makes a call and says, 
Hey, look, my, my kids are coughing. My, my husband's coughing. You know, we got, we got, there's something wrong with this house. I, what's, what should change from the maintenance side of things? Like what should that solution look like? I would say they need to have a certified mold inspector licensed within the state. Mm -hmm. So where could people go to help with this issue? Is there any, any action that people can take? So what I've pushed families to do is um, we have a Facebook page. It's called um, Safe Military Housing Initiative. Um, they also need to, you know, if you're having housing issues now, you, you really need to make sure that you document everything very, very thoroughly. Every phone call, pictures, timelines. Who you and spoke I, with, oh, correct. Yes, and it's a pain. Let me tell you, it's a pain, and I get it. But at the same time, if you ever decide to sue these people, you'll have the documentation. If you have been truly harmed by military, by these military housing, quote unquote, partners, I like to call them contractors. I don't believe they're partners, um, but they need to make sure they document everything. They need to make sure they go through the proper channels, going through your government housing offices, going through um, your command elements, just to at least let them know what's going on. Don't give any of these people an out. Has, has, don't give them well, away to not avoid has, culpability. Has anyone sued Corvius yet? Um, not yet, to my knowledge, no. Not to my knowledge. See, a lot of the times these, these things are not always publicized because they don't go to jury trial. They so settle. They're settled outside of court. Mm-hmm. But I was, I even you know, just in, mean in to, to go back to my original question of what people could do. I, mm-hmm. I just mean for the average listener. I mean, because we have... Uh, broad Westerner base of people who are either former military or civilians like yeah. myself who are very pro military. Yeah. And, and yeah. would, would love to help out. I mean, is there anything that they could do? It's, you know, right. Dear Congressman, mm-hmm. please you know, join us, join our page, join us, help us, you know, on the Hill, make sure that you're writing your Congressman. If you're local to an area and you still have base access and, um, if you can help a military family, like by going in and if you're, say you're a contractor and, and you happen to know that there's an issue, um, if a family calls you because they have mold or a collapsed ceiling, you know, don't repair it, but just go in and be a witness. I mean, because a lot of these families don't have these outside resources like mold inspectors and contractors who know how to build things. They're just relying on what the command and what the PPV is telling them, um, you know. Join us in, in advocating for families. I mean, the more support that we have, the better off we are. We all will be. And, I mean, really, honestly, we're stronger together. And we can't let these guys mess with our family. And our military is our family. John Pacern also is based out of Rhode Island. Um, mm-hmm. And his what was his congressman's name that he flew down to Bragg? Oh, with? Jack Reed. Jack Reed. Senator Jack Reed, right? Mm-hmm. Senator mm-hmm. Jack Reed. So he flew down on his private jet with his senator to get this contract. Mm-hmm. So if you want to write letters, you know, maybe you know, shoot yeah. some, uh, especially if you're in Rhode Island. Yeah, and he's yeah, a ranking member of staff as well, the Senate Armed Services Committee. Jack Reed is. And Jack <laughs> Reed's Reed on the Armed Services Committee. After that story came out. Oh, what did he mm-hmm. say? It was an interesting conversation. Um, he kept saying essentially that, um, you know, he basically wanted to hold them accountable, that the, that the flying of, of Pacern down to Fort Bragg was before he was a senator. He is prior service and he cares about the military families. 
Um, just really essentially that. And I just kind of took him to task on what he was going to do and what we were going to do next. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Jack Reed, but like do push-ups <laughs> until you're not fucked up anymore. You know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think, um, a local TV reporter did interview, uh, Senator Reed. And when asked if uh, he helped John Fraser to get that contract at all, he said, uh, not, I, not that I recall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not that I recall. Yeah. I, yeah that's uh, like Bill Clinton. Yeah. I did not have <laughs> yeah. sexual relations yeah. with that woman. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, um, Corby is, uh, don't they own Fort Bragg as well? And I say own Fort Bragg. Um, <laughs> but there's housing on Fort Bragg there too that they're, um, I think they're getting an $81 million contract. I asked Jack Reed's office about. They said, we don't have any knowledge of that. And I said, well, that's unreal. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm right. And Fort Lee just. I was going to allude to, um, you know, the problem, like Fort Bragg has some major issues, but. Uh-huh. Um, Throughout four years, I think starting in 2007 to 2011, 12 mm-hmm. children under the age of two died in military homes Whoa. on that base. In one housing area, and I do believe three in one home. Are, are, you, talking, one are, home. are you talking about like SIDS? SIDS. Well, that's small. Uh-huh. Well, but statistically. That's what they're saying. Right, right. Because that's if, if, if it's, there's that great a statistical probability of, of infants dying in, in the same home. I mean, the, the, the actors, the odds that there is an environmental factor escalates drastically. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I don't know how you came out and said that was statistically probable. And I was like, I'm a banker and I can tell you that no, it's that's not, not statistically probable. probable. No, <laughs> that, that's well outside the statistic probability of three babies dying in one home in a very short amount of time. Holy that doesn't shit. even make sense. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And to my knowledge, just from what I've heard, um, is that that home, they do not have people living in anymore. I heard they tore down the whole housing area, but we're supposed to get to Bragg. I want to go see for myself. Um, We are going to be doing some more forums, hopefully in Bragg and Benning. I'm going to California this weekend. There's a military housing forum um, at the um, Oceanside Library this weekend. Um, that I will be at. Um, there will be attorneys there, outside attorneys, who will be, you know, trying to help in their capacity to answer questions. Um, so, you know, we are trying to give families other resources to, you know, try to address short-term and long-term solutions, um, you know, on the legal side. And Jack, I think you can attest to this that, um, you know, a lot of the commanders have been coming out and saying, well, we have these open office hours. So, you you know, anyone can come to that. Like, do you, do you believe that, you know, an E3, you know, E4 would go in to Mm -hmm. see this base commander? No, I don't. Complain no. about a house. Uh, I don't, and I think exactly. that even if you did, you would be blown off. Um, oh, totally. I, I think if you were an E seven or an E eight, you went in there, they'd tell you to kick rocks. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we've deal seen, with it. You're an E eight. What's your problem? Yeah, we've seen over and over again when guys try to blow the whistle internally and, and try to fix things mm-hmm. internally, and they get retaliated against. Um, you know, we're seeing it right now with the. Um, they're, they're chaptering out those two NCOs at Fort oh, Bragg gosh, yeah. um, who they're being blamed for a letter that was sent over oh, the, the internal SOCOM email system. They had nothing to do with this letter complaining about uh, special forces training and uh, they're being kicked out of the military just because they knew the guy and because they were at the town hall meeting that the commander had where these issues were raised. 
And so, I mean, it's them, for them to say there's no retaliation, I mean, that, that's it's bullshit and everyone knows it. Um, right. And you uh, correct me if I'm my uh, brain cells are firing wrong here, but you guys are also working with Jim Moriarty. Correct. Yep. Yep. That's great. Uh, we, uh, I, I've spoken with Jim before, you know, um, you know, sadly about, you know, his son being killed in, in Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. and if people who listen to this podcast probably remember when the gate guard at Jordan opened fire and, and he killed, uh, several green berets and one of them was Jim's son. Um, and, and, and Jim Moriarty fought tooth and nail to make sure yeah. the truth came out about what happened there. Um, really brave guy. And, and so I'm really glad that he's working with, with you guys on this. He's a, he's a lawyer, yeah, by the way, do. isn't he? Uh, oh, he's, I mean, he's great. I mean, yeah. I connected with him while we were in um, California and, and, you know, mm-hmm. working on something different. And when writers came to me and asked if I would be willing to speak with them, I was like, oh, let me just check in and see what Jim thinks about this. And he <laughs> read the articles that they had previously done. And he was like, I need to get involved in this. This is not right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to help in whatever capacity I can. That's great. And he has. He's been amazing. And, and in, in doing that, we've also got some other attorneys along the way who have a vested interest in this who are prior service or reserve or a military spouse attorney. Um, we all have a dog in the fight and, mm-hmm. and we genuinely care about families. And like I said, you know, um, no one's making money off of this. I'm not making any money off of this. I pay for my own flight. Well, John Bissard's making money off of this. Yeah. He's making lots of money. He's making lots and lots of money. He can buy a, um, you know, what is it, an Irish estate with his own private golf course. So he's, he's doing pretty well. The baby, the two, baby giraffe. Actually. Two mansions. Don't get it twisted, Lee. It's two mansions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, anyway. thank you both so much for coming on the podcast Absolutely. today. Um, is there anything else yeah, that we you. failed to get to? Any questions I failed to ask that you, that you think should be brought up before we, uh, before we go? Um, I just no. want to send a message to the listeners that, you know what, we know it's scary and, and we know it's tough, but if you are active duty and you are having housing problems, please stand up and say something. You, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Lee, you know, please say something and, you know, let's do the right thing together. Let's try to help. Yeah, Lee, did you want to say something? Kind of pick, yeah. Piggyback of that a little bit. I think so many times the American public sees um, this kind of like porny love affair with, you know, soldiers coming home and, you know, how wonderful it is, but, in reality, this is what our living conditions are like. Um, you know, not everyone, but there are, you know, more than uh, should be going through this. And just as much as you can, like, write to your congressman. Like, just uh, we just want people to be aware of what's going on in order to get this um, fixed. And I also wanted to just do a little brief um, blurb about um, the Station Foundation. If that's okay. Yeah, of course. Jack. Okay. Yeah. So I just got back um, from a week in Montana with fellow soft spouses and this organization, the station foundation, they're just doing such wonderful things uh, for our community. Um, They, it's a couple, they were, um, the husband was in the 160th um, and when he got out, he saw the need for um, just kind of these guys to come back and get back with family. And, and so they started this program out in Montana and it is so great to just unplug and get with other soft families and, you know, see everyone's kind of going through the same thing, but 
the one great thing that they're doing as well is um, they do a program this summer for Gold Star children. They fly Gold Star children out with um, a member from their um, fallen dad's team, which I think is just incredible. And they celebrate his life together for that week out there um, among other soft kids. Yeah, and it, yeah, it means it means so much to um you know the kids who often they they didn't get to know their father the way they wanted to, and as they grow up, I've just found that it means so much for them to like hear stories about their dad, right? Yeah, And for people who want to check that out, Lee, what's the organization again? It's called the Station Foundation. Got it. We'll link to them, and then uh, and Lee also the Facebook group. Yeah. So Crystal. Uh, what do you want to say about that really quick? Um, you so that's called the safe, um, the safe Military Housing Initiative uh, Facebook group. Also, uh, if you're having questions about future PCS stations, um, check out PCS Grades. They're building their um, database to include uh, recent reviews of military housing and well, in, military housing and uh, off-base housing as well. Check out PCS Grades. Also, uh, we have support from the TRICARE for Kids Coalition. They've been um, supporting us and, and doing their best to lobby and, and hold, you know, like the Department Health, I'm sorry, the Defense Health Agency um, accountable. Um, and we also, you know, if you're having housing issues, definitely reach out to MOA, which is the um, Military uh, Officers Association of America as well. They've been um, pretty important in, in listening to their members about housing issues as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope, you know, combined, um, you're able to get the ball rolling on something. I mean, just from my point of view, my my layperson's point of view, it sounds like there needs to be a, a, a sweeping corruption investigation in, into this subject. Agreed. Absolutely. And, and in all honesty, the, the more people who are aware, you know, just as I'm doing this interview, Googling John Pacern, he pay, he definitely paints a very flowery picture of himself. And I'm sure he does a good job of presenting himself as someone who's helping military families to, you know, potential investors and that type of thing. And, you know, we have a wide audience. Obviously, Reuters has a wide audience. If more and more people hear the name John Pacern yeah, yeah. associated with this, I think you're going to have less people who who want to have anything to do with him as a part of their business. And I'm sure he relies on a lot of people and a lot of other businesses to do what he does. So, well, you know, hopefully just smearing his name rightfully well, will do some I, damage. I'm not, I'm not interested in smearing anyone, but the, right. you know, we're, we're in an age where people get outraged about, you know, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Gillette, Yeti coolers, <laughs> right. like all these companies, like I don't, I don't really care about any of them, but this is this, in this case, Corvius group. I mean, this is something that's really wrong, but and, it, he, and people should be angry about but it. But in all honesty, yeah, it's a, I it's mean, a bigger American taxpayers should be angry about that. Yeah, of, of course it's Absolutely. a, it's a higher pro profile example but if you look at what's happening mm-hmm. with r kelly right now the fact that it's mm-hmm. become such a big thing and all these women protesting r kelly there's finally mm-hmm. record labels and, and artists who associate with right, him right. that are coming out and saying like i apologize for working with him and you know his name is is rightfully you know yeah, negative right yeah, now. yeah. And they, I, they should be exposed and i think if the same thing happens like if more people are just aware of who john Pacern is and they're aware mm-hmm. of of uh, Lee's story and Crystal's story. I, th- I think mm-hmm. you're going to have less people who want to yeah. work with someone like this. No, I agree. And at the end of the day, the entire MHPI program, the entire project, like you said, needs to have a 
sweeping investigation into how the money is being used. And that's what we're, we're actually relying on the GAO to do that right now as we speak. So Brian Lepore with the GAO has been tasked to, um, to make that happen. So, you know, support the GAO. If you're having issues with your housing, email your stuff to Brian Laporte, the GAO. That's the Government That's Accountability Office. Right. That's right. Okay. Well, Lee, Crystal, thank you so much for mm-hmm. taking the time out of your day today to come on here and talk about this. Um, it, it's, I think, much more powerful for people to hear directly from you than for me to, uh, you know, write an article about this or just talk about it. Right. Um, you know, hearing it directly from you, um, I think it's going to really connect with a lot of listeners. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Guys. Thank, yeah. you. thank you and so much. If there are any developments in this case or anything happens that mm-hmm. you guys would like to come back on and, and talk about this again, uh, please feel mm-hmm. free to reach out to us. Thank you. Absolutely. We sure will. Thank you so much. Thanks. And, and we'll have this up tomorrow. I'll, I'll email you as soon as I put it up. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, girls. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, we haven't done a, a throat punch of the week in a very long time. <laughs> I mean, this is what I was thinking. I think rightfully so, throat punch of the week, John Pissern. This guy is truly a scumbag. I mean, I, I just don't know how you could sleep at night knowing that military children are, you know, going through issues like asthma and all this described, and you're able to just, you know, not even give any credence to these huge concerns. Yeah, uh, you know... I, I mean, it's not like John Persern goes to sleep at night praying that black mold grows in the houses he built. But, he hasn't done anything. But yeah, but he doesn't, doesn't do shit to fix it. That's, yeah. that's really the, the problem. Yeah, and, and so I think people need to be aware of this. And, and as they kind of hinted at, he's not the only one. There, there's definitely yeah. other. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the pictures have emerged from the barracks in uh, like the 82nd Airborne and the Marine Corps and stuff like this where this, they're the same thing. I mean, the barracks are just falling apart and soldiers living in these crappy conditions. So, yeah, there, it, it's, a, it's a widespread issue across military installations. Yeah. Throat Punch of the Week, John Pissern. <laughs> If you want to look him up, I mean, there's a lot out there. John, uh, P-I-C-E-R-N-E. And, you know, he does paint himself as a guy of helping military families and charitable and all that. But, you know, something needs to be done about this, obviously. Uh, And nothing is going to really be done until people are aware enough to to get out there and and have this guy do something. Because this contract, as you said, it's not going to... There would have to be something extremely yeah. egregious for this yeah, to be canceled. Real. And I would think this is enough, but, you know, what do I know? But Throw Punch of the Week, John Pacern. Uh Wrapping things up here, be sure to check out Crate Club. We have different tiers of membership depending on how prepared you want to be, and gift options are available as well. Uh, the other night, did you catch that? What was it called? Lunar Blood Wolf Moon? <laughs> it, it, what was the full name no, of I, it? I did see it. It was it was a type of lunar eclipse, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it was you know the the moon went completely red. I watched it. It was absolutely amazing. And I bring this up because I don't remember off the top of my head the brand, but one of our old premium Crate Club items was this spectac- spectacular pair of binoculars. Um, which just oh, came. Yeah. I think they were Leopold. Yes, yeah. they were correct. Those came extremely in handy the other night uh, as I watched with my dad. Hopefully, um, you guys got to check that out because it was just a great thing to see, um, and we'll never experience that again. I, th- I think it's one of those like once in fifty years type type of deals. So if you missed out, you know you missed out. 
these people posting pictures on Facebook from you know their phone doesn't exactly do it justice. You're, <laughs> you're not going to get a great picture of of the moon from your phone. True. I mean, it's hard to get a great picture from like you know the cheap seats at a baseball game, let alone the moon. <laughs> you know, it's quite a distance. So like, unless you experienced it with some binoculars or you know a telescope of some sort, you really didn't get to see it. So those Leopold binoculars came extremely in handy. Uh, 2019, however, we're going 100% custom. Everything from sunglass cases to EDC bags and other manly products. It's a club for men by men. You can check that all out at crateclub.us. Once again, that's crateclub.us. Also, as a reminder for those listening, now is the time to sign up for the Spec Ops channel. That's our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. The Spec Ops channel premiere show Training Cell follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch that content by subscribing to the Spec Ops channel at specopschannel.com and take advantage of a membership for only $4.99 a month. That's specopschannel.com. Sign up today. As I've been talking about in recent episodes, the News Rep Financial Report. People are very excited about this. We're going to have Stavros on next episode, who's been very instrumental in this. So he'll be able to give you a little bit more um, detail, as Joseph did. But it's exclusive information that you can act on today to secure a brighter future for tomorrow. The News Rep Financial Report can help you discover new investment strategies in the defense sector. Defense industry stocks can be a lucrative investment if you buy at the right time. Our team of foreign policy, security, and military experts provide real-time intelligence for stocks based on global trends that affect financial markets in the national defense industry. By subscribing now, you'll get exclusive access to our industry expertise, the NewsRep Financial Newsletter Advantage. Our team offers unmatched defense industry familiarity and expertise, unbiased knowledge of geopolitical trends, full access to NewsRep's foreign policy, security, and financial intelligence platform as well as access to our team of experts and analysts. This all sounds awesome to me. Hopefully it does to you as well. And if you want to be a part of it, you can sign up right now. Go to the FinRep tab at the top of the newsrep.com and sign up. That's FinRep on the newsrep.com. You do not want to miss out on this. These guys are putting out great work every week and uh, giving you giving it to you straight with the financial report that we have begun pretty uh, pretty recently. I think this was an eye-opening show. It's been great yeah. having both of these women on. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty powerful and very meaningful having uh, Crystal and Lee on the show, um, and I'm glad we could do it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, hopefully you guys are glad that we didn't do, I don't know, uh, this hour and a half on you know the, what everyone has been talking about on Twitter for the past three days, and this Native American guy and these Catholic school kids, and th- which has been analyzed from every angle imaginable. <laughs> like I am so sick of hearing about this issue. And it turns and it, it, it it's like the second any kind of controversy pops off in America, it's like everyone's a nine eleven truther now. Yeah, and they're like doing this like amateur you know, like picture analysis and everything it's just sad though that i i think anything racial in america is like so it's easy to react to 
And I mean, personally, what we've been talking about for the past hour, I'm way more outraged. There's more. Yeah, this is like meaningful discussion. Uh, it's important information. And I mean, I, I just can't do the day-to-day outrage, that low-hanging fruit politics. It just isn't important. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying into the conspiracy that, like, social media was, you know, created to distract us from real things going on. Because, every, you know, every day it's just a new outrage over some bullshit, uh, you know, that really doesn't affect any of us. And, and look, I, I get the significance of, of it, but it's just, I mean, the fact that we've discussed this to death for, like, three days on social media, it's, it's pretty sad. There's there's bigger things well, going on. Like I was on. saying, uh, we had, like, last week everyone was up in arms over a freaking Gillette commercial. Yeah like some razor blade company like but you don't hear anything about this stuff well except for Reuters who did this pretty important story but otherwise you don't hear about Corvia yeah like why why aren't people outraged about that and and as you've said before i mean unfortunately this is not what people want to hear i'm sure more people are clicking on the Gillette ad than clicking on this Reuters yeah. article and uh i mean there's something to be said about it i action does need to be taken about this. And and I think if millions of people were outraged, we would see a change. Yeah. Uh, You know, what Lee and Crystal were saying about right New York congressmen and, you know, uh, to some extent um, getting active on the subject. And I I hate to use that word like awareness. It's like kind of cliche, but, you know, you bring it to people's attention and enough eyeballs get on it. And, you know, then our, our government will eventually step in if we demand it of them. I would hope just also that, like, a major lawsuit could happen. Like a class action lawsuit. Yeah, because I think it's the only way that a lot of of attention would be brought to this issue. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I'm glad, you know, someone like Jim Moriarty is working with them because he's a a smart guy, and uh, and he seems like he's a pretty tenacious person. Yeah. Yeah, something needs to be done, and I'd like to see this guy in particular and the company go down. Um Oh, also, a lot of you guys might happen to be at SHOT Show. We're not at SHOT Show right now. Some of our guys are, like Scott Whitner's at SHOT Show. I think Eric Meisner. Um, if you're there, I believe there's a Crate Club party happening. Uh, if you go to the Crate Club Instagram, I'm sure you can find the details on that. It might be too late, but I, I'm not there, so I'm not keeping up with everything right now. Yeah, I, we'll have to have those guys on, the loadout room guys, come on after the SHOT Show. Might Give be, a recap. It might be a good time to have them on and... and uh and discuss all of that. Yeah, yeah. But if you go to the loadoutroom.com, I mean, that's really the place to be because you'll see the actual gear. It's hard to really convey gear audibly. I mean, people want to see <laughs> pictures of the stuff. They do. Yeah. And, and video of the guys at range day and all that stuff. Um, well, you can go to the loadoutroom.com now, yeah. and I'm sure they're posting stuff on there every day, updates yeah. from the show. Yeah, they're there with their laptops yeah, getting yeah. it done. Um, I wanted to mention this in the intro, but we just didn't have time. Uh, really unfortunate news, a base blown up in Afghanistan. Yeah. I, I, I think the latest uh, number of casualties was 126 dead. Insane. It was a, uh Afghan um, NDS compound, which is their intelligence service. So there are a lot of uh, paramilitary commandos, Afghan special forces soldiers there. Um, I haven't heard anything about American casualties, so hopefully there aren't any. Um, but this is still a tremendous loss for, of course, the Afghan security forces. Um, there's speculation that the Haqqani network was behind it. They um, had a, a stolen Humvee um, that I believe was packed with explosives that they drove in and exploded, and then they assaulted uh, the compound. Um, so yeah, man, it's a mess. Yeah. 
All right. Um, well, thanks for checking out this episode as, as you guys have um, recently with all the great episodes that we've done. I think we've had some uh, unusual and, and different stories covered the past few weeks, which is great. Um, and then also, I just wanted to say once again that we will, if I could uncover which email it is, I have so much stuff in front of me, but basically the email of the week I'm going to give to that guy. Um, yes, Scott. Scott, you are email of the week, and I'm going to get in contact with you and send you over the uh, custom Tumblr done for us, Sop Rep Radio. You'll probably be the only non-member of the staff who owns one of those. So it's a pretty cool collector's Groovy. item. And uh, I'll send you over some other gear because we got some Crate Club stuff here. I'll put together a package and send that out. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll do another giveaway at some point. Brandon did one recently on the Power of Thought, if you've been checking out the Power of Thought. Um, I guess that's it, man. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Soft Rep Radio. And uh, anything else from you, man? No, I think that's it. You know, we'll be back again this week. So, Yes, sir. We'll be back with Stavros. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.